This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good evening and welcome to the Pollock Theater. My name is Emily Zinn and I'm the Associate Director of the Carsey Wolf Center, which sponsors the programming at the Pollock Theater. And it's my great pleasure to welcome to the Pollock Sarah Olson, who is the producer of Knock Down the House, and Corey Bush, who is candidate. <laughs> <Yay! laughs> Corey Bush, who you've just seen in Knock Down the House, and who is currently a candidate for Missouri's first congressional district. So thank you, ladies, for joining us. So I'm going to ask. Sarah and Corey a few questions and then we'll have some time to turn to the audience for a few questions as well. Um, so I want to start first with you, Sarah. Can you talk to us a little bit about the genesis of this film and your involvement with it? Um, how did you and your collaborators decide on this particular story and at what point did you get involved in the project? Sure. So um, the, the project uh, kind of began to develop uh, just after the election in 2016. And um, Rachel Lears, the director, and Robin Blotnick, who is the editor, their uh, husband and wife team, and uh, they had finished a, a previous documentary called The Hand That Feeds mm-hmm. um, that uh, has, is, political, is a political documentary as well. It's about a deli in New York um, where the uh, undoc- undocumented immigrants that worked in the deli organized into a union. Okay. And it's a really incredible film if you haven't seen it. Um, and so Rachel and Robin had just come off the heels of that, had decided they didn't want to do another political film, and then the election happened. And they decided, okay, we have to do a political film. Um, at that time, Justice Democrats and brand new Congress um, had already formed and were beginning to source candidates. Um, and so they created a relationship immediately with them um, to, to watch this process and okay. see... Um, what types of candidates were were coming this way, and um, and they you know fairly quickly um, selected the four that you see here, and and we did only follow these four. We didn't have okay. others that didn't end up making it in, um, and and um, and I came into the project um, when I saw a post in a, a, a very random Facebook group that Rachel put on looking for an audio person in West Virginia to go shoot with Paula Jean. Um, and this was way before the primaries. Um, they had not launched a Kickstarter. They had no funding yet for the project. And, um, and I saw a little piece they had cut of each of the women. And um, my uh, two previous features, um, Tapped and Fed Up, um, I saw how significant the effect of corporate PAC money and lobbying dollars have on every aspect of our everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that these brave women were willing to run for office while not taking corporate PAC dollars, mm-hmm. so then they can own their own votes yes. when they get to office, if they get there, I was, you know, that's what moved me. So I reached out to Rachel right away. I introduced myself. And, um, and we kept in touch, and over the next couple of months, as they had some funding come in and a successful Kickstarter, then I came on board. Excellent. 
Well, turning to Corey, I want to know a little bit more about why you decided to run for Congress. We've just seen in the film how affected you were by the murder of Michael Brown mm -hmm. and the aftermath of that event. But I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about why you felt this was the best way for you to serve your community at this point. Sure. Uh, first of all, hello, everybody, and thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for being here. You could be so many other places besides coming to talk with us, and it's on Netflix, so you could have yeah. like, <laughs> done that, so thank you. Um, so uh, it, just being on the ground in Ferguson during the uprising, uh, you know, just regular everyday people that didn't know before August 9th that August 9th was going to happen, um, that just showed up because this body of this 18-year-old baby was laying, and I'm calling mm -hmm. a baby, I have a 19-year-old, so I'm calling the person a baby, um, <laughs> um, even though you're not, you know. Um, uh, so, but just the, just the, the image of this 18-year-old slumped over on the ground. Um, St. Louis gets hot. We get really, really cold and really, really hot. It was like 100 degrees, and this body is laying on the ground um, for four and a half hours, you know, and just the idea of that in my own neighborhood. Uh, and, uh, and so anyway, just being out there, just going out trying to see what justice is, see if we can get justice um, for this child and for this family, for this person and this family, um, uh, and the fact that there was no day before playbook, like there was no instruction book that said, hey, if this happens in your community, this is what you do. And this is if you're a baker, you do this. If you're a, 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 a teacher, you do this. If you're you know, like none of that happened. And so just regular everyday folks just ran out to be out there on the ground and sh and and we expressed our anger the way that we chose to express it. And we put our lives on the line every single day. The tear gas, the, the bullets, whether they were rubber bullets or real bullets, all the death threats, everything that we went through, the dogs. Uh, and uh, when, we, when we saw that the people that are paid, paid to represent us were not showing up, were leaving us out there, constituents out there, put, risking their lives, and they would only show up for a photo op. That's when we knew we had to do something. And so when someone asked me to run, um, initially I was like, no, why would I want to run for office? But, um, but just the thought of the only way to get that same heart, that same passion for the community that, that I saw out there on the ground, the same people that I saw hung upside down, hung off up, uh, uh, hung upside down off of a baton, beaten unconscious, that didn't do anything wrong. The same people that I saw hurt, but will turn around and come right back out there every day. That needed to be in Congress. The, the, you know, I felt like just loving humanity should be like a prerequisite for that seat. And so it was like, okay, the only way to do it is to go, just go run. And so, and, and then, so that, and then also the idea about my children, just knowing that just by being out there, like maybe with all that we did, not only in Ferguson, but how that touched all across the world, not only this country, but the world, maybe just maybe we saved one life, regular everyday folks that had no money. No, I mean, we were sharing a tampon box like on the street, like regular everyday folks. Maybe we saved one life. And so that is why I had to run.
That is amazing. And I just, I'm so impressed. <laughs> I'm so impressed with how you have channeled such a horrific experience into something so positive yeah. and so powerful as your campaign. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, so tell me, tell me about how you ended up getting involved in the film. Yeah. What, at what point in your campaign did the filmmakers approach you? So um, I ran for U.S. Senate. That was my very first run. I, um, straight out the gate, when I got the call to run for <laughs> office, um, you know, they were like, you got to run for U.S. Senate. I'm like, what? Like, that was just, <laughs> you know, it was, it was nuts. Um, and actually, the person that asked me to run initially, that person is an activist out of, um, I believe, uh, North Carolina, and he was murdered. Oh. Um, yeah. And um, so, but um, I knew that even though my first run wasn't successful as far as me taking the seat, the conversation changed. I wanted to make sure the conversation was there about racial inequality, about wage inequality, about criminal justice reform, police accountability, and just so many other areas. And I saw that by showing up, mm -hmm. by using my voice, by not being afraid to go into places where they said, you black, you can't come here to sundown town and all of that. Like just by showing up, by being there, the conversations changed and Missouri changed a lot just by a person being willing, willing to put themselves um, out present. there. So um, so when it came time to run for Congress, uh, someone asked me, I said no, um, but then I thought about it again and, and decided to do it. So someone from Brand New Congress reached out to me early on, like a, maybe like a year before, nine months before, just letting me know, hey, we're doing this pilot program, want to see how it goes, we want to start in Ferguson with you. And um, they said, if you do, if you choose to run, you know, we want a, you to be a candidate. OK, fine. So when the time came and I made the decision to run, um, I went to a summit. It was the very first brand new Congress summit that you all saw in the film where we were all like at a round table. Um, so it was that um, weekend. And just someone said, like, OK, there's this lady named Rachel that has a camera and she wants to just like just like interview you all and you'll just go upstairs and just, it was like casual like that. <laughs> you just go upstairs and she's going to interview you. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Sure. I've done hundreds of interviews, like from Ferguson. Like it was, there was always a camera in our faces. People were always following us. People were recording us when we didn't know it. So it was like, to me, it was no big deal. But then when she came back and said, well, you know, I'm going, I'm doing this documentary and, you know, I think I want to focus on, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, would you want to be a, a part of it? And because of just like being in front of cameras for such a while, for such a long time at that point, I was like, OK, like it was sure. there was no like <laughs> I, I, it, like it was just kind of like, wow, there was a part of me that was like, why would anybody care about uh, like about me running for this seat? Like, I'm glad she wants to like, you know, film it. But like nobody's going to care, you know, so that. And then look what happened. <laughs> 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 so in the process of filming, did you have contact with the other three documentary subjects? Sure. Yeah. We always, we, so before the film, uh, before any filming, um, as soon as we met, we stayed in contact. So the mm -hmm. way that Brand New Congress and Justice Democrats is set up, they, um, they want to make sure that you are candidate ready, you know, so they put mm -hmm. you through trainings. We do webinars together. We do a lot of uh, like Zoom calls and stuff like that. Um, just working on policy and um, even with that summit. So uh, we stayed chats and calls and all of that. So we were like forming uh, friendships, 
you know, already. We're all in boot camp together. Exactly, you know, and yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely such like a, a boot camp. It's such a special part of seeing them yeah. together because they really did support each other all along the way. Yeah. You know, they're very tight and... And it's, it's, you know, it's how it was possible. I mean, when you have people coming into a race like this without yeah. name recognition, without the political background you're expecting, you know, one of the biggest ways they were able to kind of trump all of that was working together. Yes. This movement rather yes. than one person. Yeah. And we were all like just again, regular people that just and decided friends. to run for office. Nobody was like up here and mm-hmm. people were down here. It was just like, you know, I don't know anything. You don't know anything. Let's not <laughs> Let's know anything it. together, you know. <laughs> and and uh, so we were all just like scratching our way, you know, and then Rachel filmed it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And what do you think are the key issues that were driving that wave of insurgent candidates? What yeah. What were the really key issues animating all of you? Definitely. um Getting big money out of politics, mm-hmm. just a huge one, just so that everybody can have a voice. Um, representation, we believe that people, that everybody should be represented in Congress, that Congress should just look and be just as diverse as the country is. Uh, also, just making sure that people have access to health care, like health care yeah. shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't be just because you can afford it that you have mm-hmm. access to it. Um, and, uh, so those things, education, making sure that everybody has access to education, good quality education, but Mm -hmm. also not being burdened with the, with the debt afterwards. Um, for so many of us, those are things that we went through ourselves. And so it's like, I went through that. I carried that burden. I don't want anybody else to do it. You know, like me, even for me, a lot of those things are things that I went through myself. And so not only did I hear other people talk about it, but I could speak to it myself. So it was very personal for many of us. Of course. Well, a slight change of gears back to the sort of mechanics of the film. Sarah, I, what I was very impressed with in watching this film was the way that you as filmmakers created this sense of real intimacy with the candidates. Mm-hmm. That I felt mm-hmm. like they could be, you know, my relatives or my friends or myself. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you as documentarians create that sense of intimacy with your with your subjects it's so important um you know it's it's how you can really feel like you're a part of that intimate space with them and 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 that it's 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 genuine and really authentic Um, in this case one of the things that really um I, i think probably one of the biggest things that that created that feeling was um rachel the director was also the dp Um, So she was a one-woman band for much of the filming. Occasionally we would hire sound. Very rarely we had a second camera. Um, But most of the time it was just her. So explain for those who might not know, what does it mean that she was the DP? So she um, uh, had the whole camera rig herself. Mm -hmm. So she did all of the shooting. And she was in, you know, there's a lot of tight spaces. You saw a lot of cars uh, New York City apartments, a lot of small spaces. And so to have only one person makes it much, right in there. It, it, it just makes it much easier to kind of blend into the background and, and, and have not be so burdensome to the, right. the, the feeling of the room. Um, and so Rachel did a really great job with that. And, you know, and these, these women were really, um, powerful in how, you know, they didn't 
put a lot of boundaries. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. No, we can't film that. No, we're not going to do that. I mean, they really said, you know, <laughs> if we're going to do this, we're all in. This is a movement. And, you know, this was an opportunity to really um, demonstrate how, you know, the, the power um, to organizing and the power to a movement mm-hmm. like this. Um, and so they were really open to it and have continued really um, supporting the film and supporting the movement and, and working with us on the release. Um, so we've been very fortunate that everybody's been really supportive of the release. It's, you know, that's a terrifying thing to offer up your life to mm-hmm. a screen like that and not know how you'll be, um, you know, how you'll be edited. Right. And to in have, this to case, those four you know, amazing subjects. we mm-hmm. took, you know, we take, we take that responsibility extremely carefully and seriously. And, um, in, in all the cases of both Rachel and Robin and myself, and I would add to that, for me, in, in prior projects, you know, a small team would be five, six, seven, eight people. But in this case, um, the majority of the film was just Rachel, Robin, and I. Mm-hmm. And prior to me coming on, just Rachel and Robin. So we were a very, very small team. Um, and for all of us in our previous projects, you know, we had had been able to demonstrate, I think, that... Um, you know, we take that responsibility seriously. We would we would never want to um, lose that trust. Right, right. So mm-hmm. that building that relationship with your subjects and it really shows on the absolutely, screen. absolutely. So Corey, building off that, I want to know a little bit about the experience of being the subject of a documentary. You say, you know, I was so used to being filmed <laughs> at a certain point, um, but there is there. It does seem in the film like you've got a very specific way you're presenting yourself. We don't, you know, with Alexandria, we saw a lot more of, like, her family and her boyfriend and her house and her makeup. And, you know, we got, we got a slightly different presentation of you. So how much of that was what you wanted to give to the filmmakers? How much of that was the editing? What, can you talk a little bit about being the subject? Sure. So part of the... Um, so I think part of it is because of funding. Mm-hmm. So we ran into several I- several issues with that um, because so Alexandria is um, prominent in the film not because she won but because um, because Rachel was in New York and so she was able she had access to her mm-hmm. um, and there were times Rachel would call and say I want to come to St Louis you're having this and you're doing that. But we just don't have the money. Like, and so we were there. trying to work on like how to get her here, to get her to St. Louis. And um, so that's what the issue was. So mm-hmm. she um, she filmed, she was able to come to St. Louis when she had the money, right. you know, and so that she was able to get what she could get. So that was, that's, and, and the same thing with Amy and the same thing with Paula. Um, but I think that as far as what did make it into the film, um, you know, some of the things that I did talk about are some are the issues that um, I really wanted people to mm-hmm. to know, and and those are the things that are different, like with Paula, different with Amy. I think that that was the way that you all put that together. Mm-hmm. How you made sure that it like it's all interconnected, but those things aren't like redundant, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So those themes, and for me, um, it's very like I have to make sure that people understand like 
why the heck am I in this film if I won't talk about the experience of being a black woman in politics mm -hmm. or a black woman in America? You know, I have to talk about that because right. before I'm a woman, I'm black, you know, and not only am I black, I'm a dark skinned black woman. So that's a whole other thing, you know, and so I have to talk about it. I talk about how people would rather talk to me about my hips than hear about my policy. Like that was a whole thing on Twitter. Like it was, it, it was like articles about my hips, you know, um, it really was like, it was crazy. Chelsea Handler had to say something about it. It was, you know, it was, it's crazy. Um, and you know, people talked about my hair, you know, and how, you know, unprofessional my braids are and all of that. Like in the movie, you get to see like, all the mini hairstyles of Corey, you know, I just, <laughs> you know, I, um, because I just like to do the right. Y'all do different things with my hair, you know, but that was an issue. And it's like, ooh, ooh, you know, or, you, you know, you can't wear certain things, you right. know, it's like, well, why? So I had those things had to be talked about because that was very real. And what we would hear about the way that we were dressed and all of that, like it was it's a. Um, so not only do I have to study and make sure that I'm tight on my policy and make sure that I show up, make sure that I do all of the things that other politicians have to do. But I also have to make sure that I'm palatable enough, you know, not only in my speech, but in my presentation, right. that my hips don't look too big, that my lips, my lipstick isn't too, you know, uh, I guess, you know, whatever makes you make me look sexy or whatever. They're like all of those things and that my hair is professional and my nails are this like can't look ghetto. You know, they would say you got ghetto nails and all of that, like all of that stuff was very right. real but then when you talk about a man right mm -hmm. you know do we do do you all hear that when you you know any of that kind of stuff mm -hmm. you do you know and so that was that was you know something that I really wanted to have people um to really think about and that comes across so well in the film that this is a set of constraints that you have yeah. that mm -hmm. other candidates don't have that yeah. your opponent doesn't have yeah so. yeah i remember even having um taking photos and um i would hear uh, maybe you should move out of the photo because you're too dark. Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was messing up. I would mess up the photo because, of, you know, my complexion. Oh. So, yeah. But Get running for office. <laughs> it's like freaking, this is the United States of America. I thought we were, we had better right. technology. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we talked for a minute about your opponent, let's, let's go there for a minute. Uh, what is it like to take on a political dynasty like the Clay family. You know, you have your opponent, unlike Alexandra's opponent who does appear in the film, your opponent only appears for just a minute, but you get other people saying, well, you know, it's just automatic. Of course, we're going to vote for the Clay family. So what's it like to take on a dynasty like that? Yeah, I mean, you have to remember your mission. You have to know why you're running because, because especially like for me, I was a black woman running against a black man. Right. So then it's like, why would you do that? You know, right. at least we have representation. No, we don't have representation because for 171 years, there's never been a woman in this seat, this particular seat. And there's never been a black woman in our whole state, in the history of our state, in Congress. So, no, that is not representation. No. Um, and then uh, I, so it's it was like uh, fighting against people who you're fighting for. Right. Every day. That's what it was like. It was like I had to make sure people understood that there is so much more to having a congressperson. And that was um, something that people just didn't know. Like people were, oh, well, this person is not too bad. You know, it's like like, like there are no major scandals and, you know, and all of that. So I think it's OK. People would say the devil I know is better than mm -hmm. the devil I don't. Like I would hear that. 
and to, and I was like, why why is the bar so low? Yeah. You know, not <laughs> only that, that check other districts and see what other communities are doing and what they get. You know, we have a whole part of St. Louis where it looks like a bomb dropped. Like the north side of St. Louis is horrible. Um, seventeen hundred <laughs> vacant homes they're owned by one person. It's like and so anyway, so those were the things that I was trying to I, I had to get the community to understand. But I'll tell you. Running against somebody who is established um, only by name for the most mm-hmm. part, it was like you are a traitor. And because that person, you know, I was running as a dem, you are a traitor to your party. And right. that's what they would call us. Not only me, but the others. And we were traitors. Right. Um, and but knowing that the reason why I was running was more important and knowing that what I could do, you could be mad at me today, but let me get in that office. You'll be happy about what I did for you. So that's all I <laughs> let me represent that you, I, you yeah. like the representation. Uh, well, so, Sarah, let's talk a little bit about your role in this film. So we have a lot of students who are aspiring to work in the entertainment industry in various ways. And I know the job of a producer can be a lot of different mm. things. So can you talk a little bit about your role in this film and what sure. your day-to-day um, responsibilities might have been like? Yeah. Um, you know, the role of a producer is always different. Um, it depends on the project, but... Um, you should assume that you're responsible for everything and anything. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, it it is like, you know, especially uh, in this particular project, um, I didn't run... Well, we did try to get interviews with, um, you know, all of the candidates that they were opposing, and, and all of those interviews were turned down. So yeah, but I love typically, that note in the credit. Uh-huh. Yeah. The following individuals. <laughs> yes. Typically, as a producer, you're doing a lot of um, chasing down of, of of interview subjects. You're always, you know, you want to tell a balanced story, and sure. and and we, it's it's a really lucky moment when you can have both parties and get both sides, and also a very rare moment. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as a producer, I mean, you're you're doing that. I'm managing, helping to manage the shoots and organizing ahead for because we only had one team. Part of, um, you know, there there was a lot of thought going into selecting the four candidates that we did have, mm-hmm. um, and that was um, geographically they were very diverse. Um, the diversity of issues, and that's what Corey was referring to. Um, they were all really interesting people in their mm-hmm. own right, and they were compelling to watch. And, um, they and each and, have their own story. And they each have their own story, but also because we were so tight on funding all along the way, they also had to have primaries on different dates. Mm. So we never had two primaries going on at the same time. So typically, um, if Rachel was working on one, I was working on another. So I would be working ahead on one while she was working, maybe shooting another. Um, and, and that's kind of how we always worked. Um, and, you know, I spent, when I first came on, like I said, Paula Jean's primary had just happened. Um, I think I came on maybe the day after her primary or the week after um, and so Corey, Amy, and, and Alexandria's primaries were still to come. Alexandria's was next. And, um, and, and it was a lot of that, you know, wrangling what, what, are, what are we looking for, what's going to be happening, how do we plan ahead. 
Um, and you know, we're not trying to tell a certain story. Mm -hmm. We're trying to show the reality of their story. And be present when those and be moments present. are happening. It so sounds it like requires, a puzzle. It requires a <laughs> lot of flexibility, last moment changes. Mm -hmm. And um, that's certainly something I play a, a big role in. And then, of course, when you get to post-production, you know, and then there's, you know, raising money and doing all of that, which is a, a very big job um, for films in general. And then in post-production, um, you know, there's, it's, everything starts all over. You have a lot, a lot to do in terms of, you know, the, figuring out the music, licensing the music, um, and, and then helping out, you know, depending on the project, um, sometimes the, the producer has a more creative role as well, right. um, in, in story too. So that was a, a really exciting thing. We worked with an, an incredible supervising editor on this project too. His name is David Teague. And, um, it was just a really amazing opportunity to work with Robin and Rachel and David and, and, um, craft the story together. I was interested in that in terms of the structure of the film because you've got these four very different stories and you have to fit them together mm -hmm. sort of like a puzzle. And I know there are some places where you have to kind of change the timeline a little bit, right? That, yes. you know, Corey's primary came, actually mm -hmm. came after Alexandria's primary, mm -hmm. but in order to tell the story, you're, mm -hmm. you're telling, you move one thing to a different yeah. spot. Are there other places where you had to make big um, choices about structure that you might want to talk about? Um, oh my goodness. Well, the final, the final version that we screened at Sundance and, and the, this version is only slightly different from that. Um, you know, there was probably, um, 12 versions before that. So, um, you know, we had a lot of structural changes along the way and, you know, the, the key was we really wanted to, be able to highlight so clearly the personal stories of each of the women and what brought them to this place in their life. And, you know, we knew going into this, there was a very good chance, probably a better chance, certainly a better chance than not, that all four could lose. Right. Um, and, you know, as a filmmaker, you know, we had, we had to have conversations about that. Right. What does that look like and what will we do if that happens? Um, and, 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 you know, I think that Rachel did a fantastic job in selecting these four women to follow because they are so compelling. Right. Even if and all four of them lost, even it still would have been an amazing lost. story. And, and the, and, you know, and the truth is, is, you know, I, I believe it's a much more powerful story because they didn't all four win. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, the reality is. Um, that, that, you know, what Alexandria says is true for one to get through a hundred have to, to try. Right. And, you know, that, that is the reality of the situation. But with this movement that I think that you, you guys are, are building and continues to be built right now, um, brand new Congress has uh, a whole new slate of candidates, um, and they are supporting them. Paula Jean is running for Senate again, um, mm -hmm. She is running against a Republican. Yes. Oh. Um, she's not running against Joe Manchin again. Um, Corey's obviously running. Yeah. And Amy, um, we certainly have not seen the last of um, mm -hmm. running for office, but she's not currently running. Um, she's working on uh, Bernie Sanders, Sanders campaign in Nevada. And Corey and Amy are doing a, a ton of um, work for the film and and really um it's been amazing they're 
you know, tomorrow Corey's going to speak to 5,000 high school girls um, on behalf of Knock Down the House. <laughs> yeah. She's not, she's not sitting idle. No. <laughs> no, no. So, Corey, let's talk a little bit about you being a second-time candidate now. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, if it's significantly different running for a second time and if things are different because of the film. Mm, yes, so... It's different because uh, I know more, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I know the ugly to expect, and um, I also know how good it can be, you know, as far as the support, you know, because you have to have, like, that's that to me is one of the uh, ways that we stay in this is not only just remembering our mission, but having people that support us, um, whether it's our team or just people in the community, people on social media. Um, and you're continuing to build on that base of support you've got. Yeah. Absolutely. The film has done wonders for us as far as um, support, um, not just locally, um, but across the country and across the world. Um, just getting messages. I get messages from people um, in places I don't even know. Like, I have to look up where this place is. Um, you know, I have to Google it <laughs> because honestly, like it's places you, I didn't even know the film would be like it's, it's and they're saying, you know, you're, you all inspired me to run for office or I connected with this part of the movie. Um, I had one person, uh, th- uh, there was this father who has a five month old baby and he oh. tweeted to us and he said that he watched the movie and it inspired him so much that he made his five-month-old watch it. And so he sent us a picture. He sent us a picture holding the baby up to the screen. Um, and uh, so that is what, like, that is what's different for me. Just mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, now this thing is really bigger than me. It's right. bigger than any of us. It is like w- when you stop, if you choose to stop, who do you affect in that? Mm-hmm. You know, how, you know, so many people are paying attention and so many people are looking for that hope, you know? So if you can just continue on today, I don't want to do it today. I'm tired of the Fox news talking about me. I'm tired of, you know, people saying that I didn't do this right, or I didn't say this, or I didn't, you know, it's always something wrong, you know, but why do I stay in this? I stay in it because I know that I can make real change if I continue to step mm-hmm. forward. Because when I think about some of the things that I like, I, um, I'm a survivor of sexual assault and domestic violence and I think about all the people who want to speak out about those issues but they don't but they can't um they're not ready you know or they just don't want to period which is fine that's their that's their choice but if I'm not a if if I can then I need to be able I need to use my voice and use my platform so that's what I look at um running um running again um also just so many overlapping groups so many Mm -hmm. so many um and then just running again, I have people who have said, okay, now we know you're serious, you know? <laughs> so like before we would, we, we weren't going to, you know, step over the incumbent because like we weren't sure about if you were really in this thing or not, but now that you're coming back again, like who does that, you know? And so, um, it's just a lot more support. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I'm wondering too about, you know, the film was shot in 2018 mm-hmm. We're now, Coming up on 2020, mm-hmm. what's different about the political landscape now? What, how is this <laughs> moment different coming into this election? This can be for either of you. But. Well, I mean, I, you know, I think that this <laughs> oh, is obviously stuck. an incredibly important moment in our political history. And um, 
you know, this, this, this movement of building a path to power for working class people, I think has um, really begun to inspire people to become civically engaged mm-hmm. who otherwise had not been. Yes. Um, and, you know, for, for Rachel and Robin and I, um, we all came from a place where, you know, we work in docs because we want to start hard conversations. We want to open people's eyes to maybe another side they hadn't thought about. Mm-hmm. And and this film, you know, has that opportunity in such a significant mm-hmm. way right now, I feel like. Um, the fact that you have, you know, we we've had... 18-year-olds coming up to us at lots of screenings and saying, I, you know, I never thought about going into politics, but now I think I'm going to change what I want to do. And then you also have 60-year-olds saying, you know, I, I don't know what, I never thought about running for office, but maybe it's something I could. And I, I think more participation is what we need. You know, this is a democracy. So when Corey said, you know, running against an incumbent like she was, especially the, you know, 50-year dynasty of this father and son, you know, you're, she's treated like a, a, a traitor to the Democratic Party in St. Louis. But the reality is that is what democracy is. Right. You know, we, we challenge those in office and, um, you know, I think that we're, we're in a moment where I, I think people will are getting more involved. And if they don't want to run for office, they're going to support someone else. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, you know, they came up with this, they really, one thing I really love about the movement, and I know Bernie Sanders was kind of the, the, the correct me if I'm wrong, kind of the father of doing this, mm-hmm. is, you know, they were phone banking all over the country for different races. Mm. So they're helping each other out. You don't have to be, you know, it used to be if you wanted to help a candidate in St. Louis, you had to live in St. Louis, and you make your calls there, and you go knock mm-hmm. on doors, but it's just not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. You can volunteer for any campaign anywhere in the country mm-hmm. um, if you just want to get involved. So that nationalizing of I think, races. Yeah. I think it's a really important moment, and I hope that five years from now we'll see that this moment has created a, a real wave of change um, of you know new candidates popping up all the time and... Yeah, not ending up with somebody in office for fifty years. Absolutely, and I think it'll help get us closer to parity. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll help um, because the amount of women we have in serving in Congress right now, um, we we can do better. We can absolutely do better, and we can do better making sure that it's educators and and you know bank tellers and you know and just who just any people from nurses. all walks of life, nurses, you know, mm-hmm. and not. A bunch of attorneys. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. One last question then. Corey, advice you would have for aspiring first-time political candidates? Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So know why you know your mission. Know why you want to run. You know, that Mm -hmm. is the biggest thing. Know it, understand it, eat it, chew it, spit it out, take it back again. Um, Because in those hard days, like I said, that's what will keep you going. But um, also know when. Know when is it time for you to run. Because knowing you want to run for something, that does not necessarily mean that it's time. You know, it's okay to go and get get training, do candidate trainings. If you seek out candidate trainings, 
pay attention to what they're training, how much they're charging for these trainings, who's gone through that training, what they did with that um, information. Um, seek out trainings that may be specifically for you, like if you are, you know, of a particular religion or if you're a particular, you know, race or whatever it is, look at those too, because that's going to give you some extra things that you may not have in just a regular mainstream candidate training. Um, um, and then one thing that is really um, big, it seems small, but it's big, go to your network first, early. Go to your network, meaning your family, your closest friends, and then, you know, then your, you know, the next group of people in your life and then, you know, branch it out. But go to them and tell them that what you want to do, you know, when it's time for you to do it. Don't, don't talk about it before that, I don't think. But when, you, when, it, when you're ready, go to them and let them know what you want to do and find out early who's going to support you. Because that's something that trips, can trip people up is you think that, well, I have this amazing group of friends and we do everything together. You know, we're always there for one another. And then when you do try to do this work, people turn on you. They'll, they'll back up. Um, your family, you think that your family is with you and then your family won't be with you. And so that can be crushing, you know, in the middle of trying to run a campaign. Um, or when you look up at the end and you're like, oh, they're going to support me. And then when the end comes and you need a thousand people knocking doors and your family and your friends are nowhere around. Um, and then when the, the ones that say yes, ask them for $50. Okay. So, <laughs> um, to get you started, you need that. If you need that start money, ask each one of them, you support me, give me $50 today. Um, and, uh, uh, so those are just a few of the things that like, and then, and then know what you want to run for. Like, like don't run for something that you wouldn't want to do. Like some people do that. <laughs> See what that job actually, in, what it means and how much it pays and all of that. And make sure that's what you really want to do. Um, I, right now I, I'm actually worried that, and I have to say this one thing with the film is that it has ignited like everybody to want so many people to want to run for Congress. Um, and I just hope that the people that are saying that they want to run for Congress are wanting to do it for the right reasons. Right. And not because right now it's like this popular thing and you have these groups, brand new Congress and just the Democrats and and all of this stuff going on. And it's like this fire right now, this momentum. You know, we need good people in office mm -hmm. that are going to do great work, that are willing to stand mm -hmm. in the midst of adversity and stand when it and stand when everything is crashing around you. Like me, when you you know, when you come home, you're running for office. And I had a day where I paid the uh, I wrote the check for the rent for the um, campaign office, but I didn't have my own rent for my home. You know, that's a crushing feeling when you're like, I don't know how I'm going to keep keep. I, you know, I'm hoping I don't get evicted next week, but. I got a campaign office, right. you know, and so that I mean, it's very real. And so when you go through that, you know, just knowing that you so just make sure that it's for the right reason. That you're ready to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh. Thank you very much, Sarah and Corey, for joining mm -hmm. us. This was a wonderful evening. And thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank you for coming. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.